Cool. Okay. Welcome to Recovery Stories, a podcast about recovery from sexual addiction. I'm your host, Snowy Snail. I'm a husband, comic artist, student, creator, and sex addict. Much can be said about what sexual addiction is or what it means. Let's keep it simple. In our experience, we came to a point where we wanted to stop our sexual behavior. Unfortunately, we found that we couldn't stop. Pornography, masturbation, and sex became a drug, a slave driver, and a prison. We wanted freedom. We wanted serenity. We wanted peace. This is our story. This podcast is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship, though we draw heavily from a variety of 12-step literature. Anything shared here is the opinion of the person who said it. Take what you need and leave the rest. In each episode, we hear from real people in recovery, and in order to maintain our anonymity, we may use pseudonyms. Today, we have the pleasure of hearing from a good friend of mine, uh, Sam, and really grateful to have you on with us, Sam. And um, I'll just pass it over to you to share your recovery story. Great. Thanks, Spencer. Um, yeah, so my name is Sam and um, I am a sexaholic and I started, I discovered masturbation when I was 15 years old and was just instantly hooked on it. I actually had been engaging in lust um, for years before that, but, um, but I, I actually discovered masturbation when I was 15 and um, acted out for in total nine years and I, I hated acting out. Um, I uh, found that it just, it just got worse over time and I wanted to stop for years. I, I tried to stop um, at, at first then I, I thought that I would just, I, I would stop later in life. Um, and so I just kind of enjoyed it for a while, but, um, but after years went on, then I wanted to stop to stop and that desire grew greater and greater and greater. Um, and I started going to, uh, 12 step meetings, um, after I'd been engaging in this for six or seven years, I started going to 12 step meetings and really, um, started becoming more desperate and more willing to try stuff. Um, and so I was, cause at first when, when I first started getting to the point where I felt like I was actually addicted then I was like, Oh, I do not like that at all. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to be going to those, those 12 step meetings. Um, but <laughs> over time, then I, I got to the point where I, I felt like I really wanted to stop. And so I was willing to, to continue. I was willing to try new stuff. I was willing to try therapy and, um, just stuff that I had previously, you know, had insisted I would, I would never stoop to that level, I guess. Yeah. So, um, you, so you had been aware of like 12 step meetings sort of in the back of your mind. And we're just like, like, what was the, uh what was the i guess how were you introduced to it and what was your perception of it early on <laughs> yeah um you know i don't remember exactly where i heard about 12 step meetings but i'm i'm sure it was probably movies um where i would just i'd see 12 step movie or 12 step meetings depicted in movies and um and i was just like yeah no way like i'm i would never i would never want to be um going to those kinds of meetings um, I just, I didn't want lust to be an issue in my life. And so I just, um, I just told myself, like, I can handle this on my own. I can stop on my own. I don't want to tell anyone. I just, I kept it like a strict secret for a long time. Never talked to anyone about it. Um, but yeah, so after, um, so after I'd been going to 12 step meetings for a couple of years, um, I got into this relationship. It was a long distance relationship and it was just super unhealthy. 
um, I was spending the night at her place. She was spending the night at my place. It was, um, it was just a bad relationship, just very lust driven. And, um, and so after, uh, so after a while, then the relationship just essentially imploded and I was just crushed. I was devastated because I, I really loved this girl. I wanted to marry her. Um, and she just had enough and she just broke everything off. And, and, uh, so I, I really had hit just a new low. This is when I, I really hit bottom and I was just, I was just desperate to, um, I was just, I was willing to do anything. I, I had kind of reached a new level of desperation and willingness. Um, and so I got a sponsor, I got a new sponsor. I'd been through probably half a dozen sponsors by this point. Um, but I got a new sponsor and, um, he actually took me through the, uh, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. So for anyone who doesn't know, um, Alco Alcoholics Anonymous, um, there's a book that kind of, um, basically to kind of give some history, Alcoholics Anonymous was started in like the forties, um, ish. And, um, uh, they basically, there was a group of people at the time who had had this spiritual experience and was able to get sober from alcohol. Um, and so they got together and they wrote out like, this is exactly what we did. Like, these are the steps that we followed. And they like wrote out in detail, like what they did. And, um, so I had been aware of the big book, um, before, but my sponsor, he was a big book guy. Um, and so he took me through, he took me through that book. We would meet, uh, once a week, um, we would read through it together and he would share his insights and, and kind of teach me about, um, about recovery and the 12 steps. And so that was really a game changer for me. Like that was something that I um, like was really, really meaningful in my recovery. And there were some things that I, that I learned from that um, that were really important. So in the, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, uh, first of all, uh, I, I learned that, well, basically they, they describe alcoholism and what that is. And they basically say there are three different types of drinkers. So the first is um, a moderate drinker, someone who has control over their alcohol. They can drink alcohol or they cannot drink it. They can drink one drink and be done. Like it's just alcohol is not really an issue in their life. Um, if it does become an issue, then they just say, oh, I'll just never, never drink alcohol again. They just stop and they're, and they're done. Um, so I knew that that was not something that I identified with. Um, the second was a hard drinker and a hard drinker is someone who actually they are addicted to alcohol they have it they have a serious problem with alcohol but they actually can stop if they want to bad enough um so if they're maybe if if they get some kind of an ultimatum something big happens like maybe their wife tells them like i'm gonna leave you if you don't stop or the judge says you're gonna go to jail if you don't stop or uh, the doctor says you're gonna die if you don't stop something big happens to really wake him up then uh, a hard drinker can quit um if he wants to bad enough um, but then that you have the actual alcoholic and an alcoholic cannot stop. doesn't matter what the consequences are. doesn't matter if his wife threatens to leave or the doctor says he's going to die or the judge says he's going to go to jail. It doesn't, none of it, like the, the guy cannot stop. Um, and it's not that he wants to go to jail. It's not that he doesn't care that his wife leaves him. It's just, he, he cannot stop. He's powerless over alcohol. And the reason for that is because um, if he drinks, he, so the big book describes that if he ha, that he has uh, an allergic reaction to alcohol, basically meaning that he reacts differently to alcohol than than normal people. So when an alcoholic drinks a drink of alcohol, it just creates this insatiable desire for more alcohol. He just wants more, and he can't stop. Uh, he can't stop drinking. He drinks until he gets drunk. Um, and but the other the other caveat is that he 
can't stay away from alcohol. Because if, if that's your issue, then, you know, if you're allergic to, um, I don't know, peanuts, just never eat peanuts again. And you're, you can live a normal life. I'm at least mostly normal. Just don't eat peanuts. Just right. check the labels, yeah. make sure you're not eating peanuts. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. And so an alcoholic, that's really what they should do is just never drink alcohol. Um, because whenever they do, it causes problems for them. But uh, for the, the problem is that when an alcoholic is sober, they feel restless, irritable, and discontented. So they just feel crappy when they're sober. And so they, they can't keep from, you know, they, they feel really crappy until eventually they just take that first drink. Once they take the first drink, then they, can, they, they trigger the allergy and they, they can't stop drinking and they drink until they get drunk. And when this was described to me by my sponsor, we read through it together in the big book. Then I just had this like light bulb moment where I was like, that is what it's like for me. That's, I mean, you switch lust for alcohol and that's what it's like for me. I've never drank alcohol. I don't know what it's like, but in terms of lust, that is exactly what it's like for me. I, I, I remember because I desperately wanted to quit acting out. I hated acting out. Um, but and I tried, I tried very, very hard. I tried a lot of stuff to, to, tr to quit acting out and I never could, uh, I could never quit. I, I could quit for a while. I could quit for a few days or a few weeks or a few months, but I could never quit forever. And during, so there was actually, um, I was in the 12 step program for two or three years. And during that time I had some periods of sobriety, um, where I was sober for about uh, there was twice when I was sober for five months. And there was some times when I was sober for a couple of months. And during that time, then um, it was just, it was just miserable. Like I, I was able to stay sober because I was going to meetings. I was making daily phone calls, checking in with people. I was writing in journals. I was praying. I was asking for help. But, um, but that whole period, although I was able to stay sober, it was absolutely miserable. And I, I just hated it. Um, and I, um, I remember at one point I was, before I'd ever really heard about the big book, I was talking to a therapist and I was telling him that if I, um, that no matter how far or no matter how long I've, I've been sober, it never gets easier. Um, and I think that someone who's normal, someone who, a, a normal person, um, I was actually talking to, a, um, essentially an ecclesiastical leader that was telling me that, and I don't know if this is true or not, this is just what he told me, but he said that for someone who's using pornography, um, then if they're able to stay away from it for, basically he said it damages your brain. And if you can stay away from it for three months, then your brain, it'll give your brain a chance to heal and then you'll be fine. And for me, I'd been sober for three months, four months, five months, and I, it never got any easier. Um, and so I remember telling this therapist that no matter how long I've been sober, it never gets easier. And in the same conversation, I told him that if, in terms of lust, if I go from A to B, I always go to Z. If I take a step in the direction of lust, then I'm going to act out. And so I, can, I can't take a drink, of, a drink of lust, if you will, um, or else I'm going to act out. But also, I feel miserable when I'm sober. When I'm not lusting, I feel miserable. And so basically... I, I really identified with this in the big book. I felt like this, this explains why I've never been able to get sober before. Even though I want to, I have a disease that normal people don't have. I'm not, I'm not a sex addict or I'm not, I'm not a, uh, I don't identify with a moderate drinker. And I also don't identify 
with the hard drinker variety. I'm a full blown sexaholic. And, um, and so basically someone who's in my situation, you're kind of in an impossible situation because, um, I can't lust without acting out, but I can't keep from lusting. And so I'm powerless over lust. And so for someone like me, I am, I'm just going to keep acting out for the rest of my life. And maybe I'll get some periods of sobriety here and there, but like, I'm just going to keep acting out for the rest of my life until I die. Um, because if I, even if I manage to scrape together some sobriety, then lust is always going to be tracking me down and ensuring that eventually I act out. And so it, it was really just this, this aha moment where I was like, this, this is my issue. This explains what I've been going through. Not I, I'm different than other people. I'm even different than other addicts. I'm a sexaholic. I'm an addict of a kind of a, a special variety, a hopeless variety. And, um, and so the big book kind of, it, it outlines the first several chapters kind of explains that issue, basically that predicament. And it, it kind of poses the question to the reader that like, if you, if you identify with this, if this sounds like you, then what do you do? Like, what do you do when there's nothing you can do? And they basically say, we have a solution. We have discovered what to do when you're in this situation. If you identify with this, if this, this sounds like you, then you, you're, we actually have a solution for you. We have some steps that you can follow to get out of this situation. And it basically says that if you are, um, if you're in the situation, you're, you're in a hopeless situation and there's no earthly power that's going to get you out of that. Um, you can talk to therapists, you can, um, you know, you can take, I actually had a roommate once that, uh, said he took some, some pills basically that would uh, lower his sex drive. And I was like, that sounds great. Like, give yeah. me those. <laughs> and, uh, um, there was some kind of supplement, like health supplement that he claimed lowered his sex drive. And, um, so he could stay sober and, uh, so I ordered it and I tried to take it and it did, it just did nothing for me. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, basically Amazing. what I learned is that no earthly power was going to help me. It, there, there would have to be some kind of power greater than human power that would get me out of that situation. Um, and so it basically outlines these, these steps, um, these 12 steps that you take. And I really dove into these 12 steps. Um, and, and, um, what I did is I actually had, I, I committed to working the steps every single day. Um, and so I would, I would really, um, work with my sponsor on it where I would, whatever my sponsor told me to do, um, I would do it. And then I would come back to him and say, I did that. What next? Because I, I was like, I want to get sober as fast as possible. I want to put this behind me. I'm sick of this. This has been going on for nearly a decade. And I, I just, I don't believe that it takes a, I don't believe that you have to take years to recover. I think it can be done in, in months or maybe even sooner. Um, but for me, then I would, I would ask my sponsor, what do I do? What do I do for step one? And he would tell me what to do. He'd say, read these chapters in the big book. And I would read them. And then often the next day I would say, I read those. What do you want me to do next? And he would give me a writing assignment. I would do that. I'd come back to him the next day. This is what I wrote. Can you review this? Does this look right? Um, should I move on to step two? And, um, and he would, he would, you know, I got to the point where I was like kind of bugging my sponsor because I was just, I was constantly going back to him and asking for more direction. Um, and by doing that, by kind of committing to work the steps every single day, I was, I was desperate to stay sober and I was desperate to work the steps. 
And by doing that, then I got through the steps actually in, in pretty, you know, really just a matter of months where I start within, within a few months, then things really started to turn around for me. Um, and after, after, so after three months of doing this, of working the steps every single day, I felt confident that I was not going to act out again. And for me, that was a miracle because even though I'd, I'd had some periods of sobriety a few months at a time before, then I never felt confident that I was, I was going to be able to stay that way. Um, in fact, I remember um, going to a therapist and um, this person, um, they, they asked me, it was like a group therapy session and they were asking, um, are you still acting out? And I was like, I don't understand that question because and then they rephrase it and they're like, well, how long have you been sober? And I was like 146 days. And it was like 146 days of like misery because I, you know, <laughs> I was totally. trying to stay sober, but I, you know, it was just white knuckling it essentially. And so basically I was like, I've been sober for 146 days, but this could be over any day now. And, but, but basically working the steps, actually focusing heavily on the steps um, rather than just focusing on staying sober, focusing on the steps. Um, after three months, I felt confident that I was never going to act out again. Wow. That's amazing. That, yeah. So I guess as another individual who's been in the program for a while, <laughs> uh, I, I just want to point out the, the unique nature of like Sam's approach. Uh, it's unfortunate that it's unique because it works <laughs> when people do this, it works. And like you and I both have seen people do this. And it worked. We've both done this and it works for us. I am just the person on this side of the phone that like stopped doing it, you know, <laughs> and uh, ended up relapsing. And it's like, well, of course, of course I relapsed because, you know, it, this isn't like, like, this isn't just a, a one and done thing for us. Like if I really am a sexaholic and I can't stop from lusting. And then once I lust, I can't, you know, I can't control it. Um, like I have to carry that into the future. So after you finish with those few months, like what happened next? How did you, how did you, how do you stay on top of it? What does your step work look like? Yeah. So, um, well, first of all, in terms of kind of the describing the 12 steps that I took. So there's a few big ones. Uh, one of them was a uh, step four, which, um, which deals heavily with resentments, and so I wrote down all of the people that I had resentment towards and I had a ton of people that I resented. Like I, I was, I hated a lot of people. And so I had pages and pages of people that I just hated. Um, I was a pretty unhappy person. And so my sponsor had me again, following the direction of the big book, uh, pray, spend time praying for all the people on my list. Um, and so I actually spent, um, I spent a lot of time uh, each day just praying for people, praying that they would, have everything in their life that I wanted in mind and praying that they would uh, get a raise at work and that they would have a great relationship with their wife and their kids and that people around them would like them and they would have lots of friends and that they would be you know, wealthy and you know, that, that they would just praying for, for good things for them. And, and also praying that God would help me to see that they were, they were not bad people. They were sick people um, just like I was sick and they needed God just like I needed God. And, um, that helped me to really change my attitude about the people around me and let go of all that resentment. Um, and 
The, the other big one was um, making amends. Making amends was something that I had really not ever focused on much. Um, and so there was a lot of people, there was, I had a lot of guilt for things that I'd done in the past that I'd never done anything about. Uh, people that I had offended um, or you know, people that um, I had lied to um, or other forms of dishonesty, things that I'd stolen or whatever, whatever that was. And I wrote down everything that I could think of that I felt guilty about. And I worked with my sponsor on what, what would be the appropriate way to, would make, to make amends to these people. Um, and so I, um, yeah, I spent a long time. And that actually was, was the, for me, the most uh, time consuming. But I um, spent a lot of time reaching out to people. And I, I tried to do this carefully because I, I didn't want to cause more harm by doing this. Because um, I, I think that it, um, you can kind of go in guns blazing and, and end up uh, doing more harm than good. So I think um, amends need to be uh, approached um, strategically, but uh, working with my sponsor, uh, making phone calls, talking to other people in the program, other, other old timers, um, then I uh, made plans to make amends to everybody on my list. Um, and so I reached out to them on Facebook. I'd call them up. Um, I'd meet up for lunch. I'd do, um, and I spent a long time doing that, just having conversations um, where I was reaching out to people and just tried, did my best to, to make amends, let them know like, hey, I was wrong for what I did and, and I'm really sorry and I want to make that right. And I'm living a different life today. And will you forgive me for what I did? And um, try, trying to reach out to these people. And that was something that, man, it was difficult for sure, but so freeing so freeing by doing that. I feel like it really um, helped bring God into my life. And once I really, as I kind of went through that process, letting go of the resentment in my, in my life and letting go of the, um, the fear in my life, um, that was, that was, that really helped me to, um, or sorry, the resentment and the, the guilt in my life. I just felt so much closer to God and to the point where like, the problem of lust just went away. I just didn't feel like I needed to lust or cared about lust. So to go back to your original question, you're asking kind of what I do now. Um, so I think for me, it's, it's the same things um, that the, um, the way for me to like stay sober is to focus on staying free from resentment and staying free from guilt and remorse in the sense that like, if I, if I offend someone, I need to apologize to them. Um, if I make a mistake, I need to try to make it right. Um, and that's easier said than done, but that's, that's really the way that I stay in line with God and, and stay free from lust. That's awesome. Yeah. I know that for me, that was, I think that was the first thing to kind of escape my awareness or attention. <laughs> uh, last like at the beginning of this year was um i just I, I realized not too long ago that i've just been building up my resentment stockpile again you know mm -hmm. and that that's been going on for a long time and uh i wasn't you know, i wasn't addressing it um so yeah like staying on top of those i i i don't remember what book it's in but in one of the books or maybe it was a speaker or something somewhere floating in my head is the, the line like resentment is the number one killer of alcoholics. Right. And that that's uh, more often than not when resentment is present, like 
lust is not far behind acting out isn't far away you know drinking going out drinking again is not far away um there's yeah it's pretty pretty crucial so yeah definitely it's one thing that i fortunately learned at one point is just how related the two are if i'm feeling pissed at my roommate um then then uh I really need to address that because um, if I if I allow it to fester, then before long I'm gonna I'm gonna start feeling like yeah you know it'd be great looking at porn, and I'm gonna start start wanting to act out. So totally. um, yeah, definitely it seems unrelated, um, but I found from my experience it really is. Yeah, I definitely agree, and I share that share that experience as well. So yeah, so as you went through this process, like what beliefs and attitudes, uh, did you feel like changed the most for you? Yeah, for sure. I think that, um, I think that one of them was, uh, just that I feel like I wanted to, I got to the point where I wanted to do things the right way. Um, one example in particular is, uh, I was single at the time and I wanted to be married. Um, and my sponsor told me, that I was um, not emotionally healthy to the point where I, I really had no business getting into any kind of relationship. <laughs> and I didn't like that at all, but I knew, I knew that he was right. And I wanted to do things the right way. Um, and so, because I guess for me, I was like, well, I want to have sex. And like, if I just get married, then I can have sex with my wife. And then like, I can just worry about the steps after that. Um, and for me, I was like, no, I want to do things the right way. And so I committed to appear uh, to not dating for a full nine months. And many people told me, you know, Hey, you should, you should probably wait a year. But anyways, my sponsor told me nine months. And so I waited nine months. And, um, so I, I waited nine months. And during that time, focused heavily on the steps. And it was interesting because, you know, again, after even just three months of working the steps, I was, I feel like much in a much better place to the point where um, girls would actually ask me on dates and, um, and I had to turn them down and um, because I had committed not to, and that was really difficult, but yeah, I, I waited nine months. I was sober for nine months. I worked the steps and then I started dating um, and I got, uh, I started dating my wife, my now wife. Um, we got engaged. We were engaged for, you know, we, we dated for about five months and we were engaged for another um, three, four, five months. Uh, or, and, um, and then we, and then we actually got married and invited all of our friends and um, actually went through the whole process of um, getting married publicly, you know, holding a big celebration. Um, and then, then at that point we then we, um, then I had sex. Um, <laughs> yeah. and so I, um, I went through, basically I felt like I, I wanted to do things the right way rather than just skipping to the fun part. Yeah. <laughs> yes. For sure. and I, I wanted to kind of do things right. Um, so that was one thing that I feel like was really crucial for me in getting sober, um, is I'm, I'm not going to take shortcuts. I'm going to do things the right way. Could you, could you speak to a little bit more about, I mean, I mean, you're, what you've shared with us so far is, is the, the happy ending, you know, <laughs> for so many sexaholics, right? Like I, a lot of us come into the rooms, uh, wanting a relationship or wanting to feel like that's some a possibility for us. We want, you know, families or whatever. We want to repair stuff that's happened in families and, and whatnot. 
uh, could you just talk a little bit more about what life was like before? And you know, you mentioned that you were miserable, but what did what did that look like, and what did that mean for you? And then, you know, contrast that with your life now. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the big things was well, there's a few things. One is uh, I think the most important is in terms of sobriety. So I felt um, I felt like I just always wanted to act out, and and when I was acting out. I felt crappy because I, I hated myself and, and, uh, I just, you know, I, I completely had like zero confidence. Um, cause I wanted, I wanted to get married. Um, but when I was acting out, then I felt like, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I can be asking girls out and like pursuing a relationship. Cause I just felt crappy about myself and who I was. And, um, and I didn't really have any kind of confidence that this was something that was behind me. Uh, so it was that, but, uh, when I was sober, if, you know, if, if I was sober for a few weeks or a few months, then it was, it was extremely painful to stay sober, um, where each day was just a, a battle where I would, I remember there were periods of time when I would, um, you know, I'd wake up and just um, like, I just wanted to act out all the time. And so I would pray, I would, you know, I would text my sponsor, I would make phone calls, sometimes phone calls throughout the day. Um, I would pray and ask God to you know, remove the temptations and it would, it, it didn't really ever, um, I never really was free from the temptation. It just seemed like the temptation or the compulsion were, was just lessened enough that I could manage to get through the day and I'd get, you know, and I'd go to bed and then in the next morning I'd do it all over again I'd, and I would, and it just was absolutely miserable it's and yeah, it was extremely painful and I just felt like this is it. And actually there was a time when I felt like this is it. Like the 12 steps works, you know, I'm staying sober. And like, in reality, like I wasn't working the 12 steps at all. I was, you know, I was basically just white knuckling it and I was kind of using some, some of the tools of the program, but I wasn't actually working the steps. Um, and basically my thought, I actually thought that that was as good as it gets. And I thought, well, hopefully I can just manage to stay sober long enough to get married. And then once I'm married, then I can have sex with my wife and then it'll still be hard, but at least I won't be, you know, I won't have to be completely celibate. And so that was, that was just, um, hell. Like it was cause I, I hated acting out, but I also hated staying sober and it was, it was awful. Um, and so now then I feel free from lust where like lust is like, I don't feel, I don't feel that compulsion anymore. Um, I, I, feel like I could stay sober for the rest of my life. Um, and that, that was a huge, huge blessing for me. Like it was a miracle. Like when I really worked the steps and that compulsion was, was lifted, was removed from me, then that was, it was a huge blessing and I'm so grateful for it. And th that was really the biggest thing. Um, before I worked the steps, then like I was in hell because the, the acting out was just awful. Um, and being able to stay sober from that and, and be, be free and happy, um, is definitely the biggest blessing for sure. Um, the, besides that, um, the other thing was, um, I, I really had a lot of resentment in my life. Um, there was people that I just, I just hated a lot of people that I just, you know, if, if anyone ever kind of crossed me, then I just, you know, I just kind of write them off and just like, um, and if it was someone that was like in my friend group or something like that, I was just like, well, hopefully they'll move soon. And then I just will never have to see him again. And I just, there was a lot of people that I just hated. 
And, um, and if I ever, again, same kind of thing, like if I ever offended somebody else, then I, it never really occurred to me that I should just apologize and try to make it right. You know, then I was just like, whatever, they're the ones that were wrong. And I, you know, just had a lot of resentment and, um, being able to, um, have a better strategy for dealing with life, um, I think was, is a huge blessing, um, that, I mean, living, living through life, um, then we're, we're people we're imperfect we're going to step on each other's toes like i'm going to i'm going to offend people they're going to offend me and i have to be able to forgive them if they offend me and i have to be willing to forgive and i have i have to be willing to apologize if i make a mistake um and that's really going to be the best way for me to go through life um it's going to be a much more peaceful much more happy way because uh, I, I mean, ideally, I would just never make any mistakes, but I'm gonna, and so I need to be able to have a way to to address that when it comes up. So that's that's one of the big things um, that uh, I think is different for me now. Solid. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and yeah, early on while you were sharing, you mentioned that you had you'd been in the program. Uh, you were using the tools, but you weren't working the steps. How long were you in the, were you like coming to 12 step meetings and involved in the fellowship before you really dove into the steps? Yeah, it was about two years. Wow. Yeah. Dang. Where it, was, it, it took me some time to really get to the point where I had the knowledge that I needed and um, that I had just the desperation and the willingness. Um, like it just took me a while. I know um, some people uh, will, recommend doing an, uh, what they call a 90 and 90, where you go to 90 meetings in 90 days. And um, I don't think that that's required to get sober, but but there is some benefit to that because you basically, you come to the program, if you go, go to 90 meetings in 90 days, you learn a lot about the program in a short period of time. If you're only going to a meeting or two a week, then it's going to take you a long time um, to, to go to hit 90 meetings. Like, so if you're going to a meeting a week, it take you about, about two years. To, to get to 90 that's meetings. True. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what I was doing. So, nice. <laughs> yeah, so I think there are ways to cut the learning curve. Um, but yeah, for me, it took me about two years. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I say like, oh, dang, but I had the, a very similar experience. So that's, yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I mean, it, it does take, take time and uh, to, to just get there. Cause there's a whole like, like culture to get used to, uh, mm. a whole set of, of ideas about ourselves and, and that like, we kind of have to accept before we start the steps. Um, in, I think it's in the, well, the big book pretty explicitly talks about how steps one and two, which, you know, you touched on like powerless step one being I'm powerless over lust step two being, I need a power greater than myself. You know, both of those steps are attitude changes that ha that come as a result of our acting out. Like the program doesn't give us those. <laughs> yeah. Like those come from the misery that you described to us. And uh, without those, it's, I mean, with someone as headstrong and, you know, stubborn as myself, uh, I don't. I don't do anything without, <laughs> without feeling like I need to. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's, that's real. I think, uh, um, for me then, um, when I first came into 
the meetings, then I knew that I had a problem and I needed help. Um, but that's not really step one. Like step one is like, I'm completely screwed. Like, and I have no other option <laughs> yeah. except to work the steps. Like the yeah. working the steps, like I never would have done that unless I felt I had no other choice. Mm-hmm. And some people are, are more um, humble than I am. But for me, like, yeah, I, I had no interest in that at all. Um, apologizing to people, like forgiving people. That was not really my way of life. Uh, for me, it was, um, I never would have done that except that I felt that I felt I had to, to get sober mm-hmm. and I was willing yeah. to do anything to get sober. Yeah. In, in meetings, we talk about, you know, willingness to go to any length pretty fairly relatively frequently, depending on the meeting, I guess. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, an absolute essential element. Um, another line from the big book comes to mind of the idea that we are presently like other people has to be smashed. (laughs) Yeah. I love that line. I always have, because that's, that's what I want. You know, I want to, to just be this normal guy who can just move on and not have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to have to deal with it. Very similar to what you were describing earlier as well, but, uh, I'm not like other people. I'm a full-blown sexaholic as well. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, what, like you described the light bulb moment of, you know, learning about alcoholism and really identifying with that experience. What, like before that, obviously that inspired, you know, this course of action of actually working the steps that changed your life, what inspired you to come to your first 12 step meeting? Like what, what was the impetus for that decision? Yeah. Um, there's something that to answer that question, there's a line in the big book that says alcohol is the great persuader. And for me, then lust was the great persuader, uh, where I just over time getting beaten over and over and over again by lust, then I, I became more willing to do other stuff. I became more open-minded because um, it initially, like, I, I think uh, from, from my part, then I grew up where I was taught that really I have control over my actions and I can, I can choose to do, you know, I can choose to act out or to not act out. I, like I can choose to do that. And, and I really believed that for a long time. And so I just felt like, look, I can quit anytime I want it. I, I couldn't explain exactly why I hadn't quit so far, but <laughs> I was like, I can quit anytime I want. I guess I just must not want to bad enough. But, but when I want, you know, but when I'm really ready to be done, then I'm just going to quit and be done. And um, yeah. And there were, there were, there were times. And actually there was a time when I was just so disgusted with myself. I was just like, that's it. I'm done. Like, I'm never doing this again. I just, I, you know, I know it's going to be hard, but like, I've just got to leave this behind forever. And I quit for about two months and then I started acting out again. Um, and so what I learned through the program or what I kind of came to believe is that although free will, um, agency, uh, free choice, like that's, that is a great thing. And I believe that I have free choice, that I have choice over my actions, but when it comes to lust, that's not a complete explanation. Um, and, and so just over time, like where I got to the point where no matter how hard I tried, I could not leave it behind. 
I kept acting out, um, I just became more open-minded and became more willing to do stuff <laughs> like mm. go to 12 step meetings, even though I really didn't want to. Yeah. What other things were you trying around that period of, as like your desperation increased, what other stuff did, were you doing? Yeah. The biggest thing was, uh, focusing on, um, the religion of my childhood and the things that I've been teaching. So meeting regularly with, um, ecclesiastical leaders, um, reading scriptures, going to church, um, and just getting involved in church as much as possible. Um, those are the main things that I really tried that, um, I think are, are great things. Um, but I think it's not the same as kind of, I think that the, the 12 step program, that's really a program of action in the sense of like, it kind of goes to the, the basics of like, for me, it's like addressing resentments, praying for people that I have resentment towards, you know, um, getting to the point where I can forgive them and have a better attitude to, towards them. And then also uh, making amends for things that I've done wrong. Those are things that like, you read about in the scriptures, but unless you're actually putting those into actions into action, then you don't get the benefit of it. Totally. It's almost, yeah. In my experience, I've, I feel like the steps have helped me implement the ideals that I've always wanted to live up to. Like when I actually follow through and take the action, it's like all of a sudden, like, wait, you're telling me it, it is as difficult and as simple as praying for somebody I hate, you know? Yeah, <laughs> because, for sure. Because it is. It's hard, but it's so simple. And, like, I was never told to do that. Like, that was a completely new idea for me when mm -hmm. I came into the program and when my sponsor invited me to do the same thing. And it was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want me sure. to pray for this person every day for two weeks? Like, that's ridiculous but i did it and it worked um anyway so that's that's cool that that you you had that experience mm -hmm. well i yeah I, I sam thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your experience unfortunately we have to uh cut short um but yeah just really appreciate your time and many thanks to our listeners for your time and attention as well. Uh, just a reminder, any attempt, any attempt to contact guests is inappropriate unless otherwise indicated. And that has not been indicated in this interview, just so you know. <laughs> All guest information is strictly confidential. If you have comments or questions, feel free to join our community on Discord. You can find the invite link in the description below. Please reach out through Discord if you or someone you know would be willing to share a story with us. No matter where, you're, where you are on your recovery journey, we highly recommend attending 12-step meetings and working the 12 steps with the guidance of a sponsor. And uh, we will close there for today. Thank you so much and have a good rest of your day.